Now, I first just want to share a little bit of, of my vision that I have. You know, I'm so excited about spreading the gospel of grace, you know, all over the world. The vision that, that is in my heart, it's not something I believe God gives me that I must go and do. It's just something that's born out of the revelation of grace. Is I want to preach this grace message to every nation in the world. And it's not when I reach that I'm successful, when I reach millions and billions, then I'm going to be something in the eyes of God. You know, if I don't do this, it's not going to add anything to me or take anything away from me. But there's a passion in my heart to preach this gospel to all people. You know, and I, I tell you, it's, it's burning and I can see how this thing is, is coming together. This afternoon I was speaking to one of my friends and, and the vision that I have is to do a lot of that via the internet. You know that I'm putting another cable down from Europe, an internet cable to South Africa. We'll make an internet line so, so quick. You know, um, I tell you, I believe that internet's going to take over television. For sure. And most of the stuff is so cheap to do with the internet. I can preach to millions of people without putting in a lot of money. We don't have to pay for all the satellites and all those type of things anymore. It's, it's not needed. You know, satellite is becoming old technology. It is. Uh, we, we can, uh, with, with internet these days, we can have live, live broadcasts, you know, um, with, in, in HD quality via the internet. If you want to broadcast in HD quality via s- satellite, I mean, big companies don't have enough money to pay that. It's like ridiculous. Um, but we can do that. So there's another program that came out called Wirecast that we are um, that I'm going to buy cheap three and a half thousand bucks and like you like it is on television you know we will be able to broadcast the same quality you know like the, the way the things overlay with the subtitles and the whole thing live from a laptop so I'm so so excited we are what I want to do is um, get a house. I want to rent the house next to my house in, in Malmesbury and um, get people from all over the world that will be editors. And what they're going to do is that they're going to take the messages and edit it into different languages with translators from everywhere. And if we can do ten languages and spread this gospel that way, you know, because people need to hear this message. I mean, we know the truth about Jesus Christ. We know the truth about how much He loves us. But that truth belongs to other people. Because what's true in Christ, that He died the law man, He killed that law, old law man, and brought new life for every man. That truth is what needs to be preached. To be preached to every person. It belongs to every person. It's like, you know your neighbor won the lotto, or you know, know somebody in the squatter camp won the lotto that works in your house. You know they won the lotto, but you don't tell them. How can they be saved from their poverty if you don't share the knowledge about their redemption from poverty that's already true? Now, I don't want to put a, put a, a guilt trip on us. This is not a guilt thing. It is a revelation of the power of what we know. And I want to tell you, this is God's truth, man. This is God's truth. I, I want to go be so radical. I don't know what business you want to do in life. But let your business, and whatever you want to do, if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be whatever, if that job is, and you like your job, is to give you 
a life and food to eat so that you can stay alive and at least you need to do something to have money, to live, do something you enjoy. And when you're alive, the purpose of your life is this gospel and people. And you might say, but Baptist, you know, there must be other things in this world or whatever. We can talk 150 years from now about this topic. And we will see the truth and the impact of this truth we know and other people's lives. You know, uh, years ago, the, the only thing in my life was, you know, people are going to go to hell, I must preach the gospel. There's a greater motivation than people are going to go to hell. It is the life that's already theirs, belonging to them. That we can share and preach. You know, so, um, yeah, I just want to share that. So, we, we, that's what I want to do. I, I don't know exactly how, but I know one thing for sure is this vision is not born from, um, from obligation. It's not born from guilt. It's, it's been in my heart for 15 years and it is manifesting more and more. It is not the power of a man that brings this forth. It is the power of the Almighty God. You know, if your mom and dad stands behind you and your, your, uh, uh, you've got a big company behind you, you might reach something. But if God is behind something, yeah. hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I know God is behind this. And He proved that He's behind this message by giving His Son. Amen. I just feel a thing in my heart that the zeal of God that consumed Christ where he was so zealous about the temple and the things of God, that the temple needed to be a place of worship and a place where it's holy. That, that zeal consumed Jesus, and it, that's what happens to us as we re- realize this grace. We want to see the temple of God be a place of worship to God, and you are the temple of God. Not that I say I want to see people singing all the time, but we don't want to see a mixed gospel of condemnation where God, people think God's angry with them, where, where people think that God needs to change them, to do something for them, and all those type of things in people's lives. We don't want to see that. You know, we want to see the temple clean, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. So, the vision that I have is, is to see people, uh, um, you know, hear this gospel of grace. And, man, amen. Man, you can be part of that. Helping to translate some stuff, you know, giving into this, um, whatever, whatever is birthed into your heart. You know, even if you're watching on the internet, whatever's birthed in your heart to be part of this, you're more than welcome. Amen. Let's, let's work together. I mean, there's just such a passion in my heart. Let's get to the, to the, to the message I want to preach tonight. Um, and talk about the heart of man. The heart of man. Um, what is the heart? I want to just say something in the beginning. Um, the heart, and, and we need to understand that the heart is a man's belief system. It's how you believe. It's not your spirit. It's not your soul. It's not your mind. It is your belief. The framework from where you believe. What you believe. Um, the, the, uh, it's also called by... Um, in the medical world, it's called uh, the subconscious mind. The unerbewusstsein. I want to read what the Greek says about heart. It says, it is, um, it's the thoughts or feelings of the mind. 
Now, I like the word feeling there because it explains it very well. Because if you say the thoughts of the mind, now what is the mind? I thought my mind is thoughts. So, now it's the feeling of the mind. Let me explain that. If, and, and the other day I was watching this uh, idols, you know, South African idols or something. Now, we don't have that dish. Uh, so, I've been visiting some friends, so this, this was on. It was like very funny. <laughs> so, uh, we're watching this. And um, now imagine you going and you giving your best at the qualifying to be uh, the next idol. And it doesn't matter how nice and what beautiful tone of voice they say that you should rather go surfing. <laughs> you know? The feeling that comes in your heart when they say that, the feeling you feel right there is, is your belief. That's your belief. That's your belief manifested right there. We, the, the, when we believe, believe is actually the feelings we have in this life. That's the revelation of your belief system, is what you feel. We live by feelings. We live by feelings. And I'm going to explain this. Many people say, and I remember the faith movement said that we don't live by what we feel, but we live by what the Word of God says. You're a liar. You are feeling that you should say, I live by the Word. That's why you're saying it. You are feeling that this sickness is very bad, but then you feel it's better to confess the Scripture. Then you do what you feel. We all, all the time, live by what we feel. Now the thing is, we should get our hearts programmed to the point that we feel what God intended for us. And deep in our hearts, like my wife says, doesn't matter if she shouts at the kids or whatever, but deep in our heart, there's an underlying emotion of God loves me. God loves me. And I'm righteous before God. And that is what will direct your life. How, how do you feel when it comes to God? And that is what is so, so important. Our feeling is so, so important. The heart is the belief system of man. The way in which we believe. What we believe. That's your heart. The Bible says, with a heart we believe unto righteousness. Okay? So, with a heart is your belief machine. It's the framework that you've got in your life by which you evaluate everything. Now, another thing about your heart, you, you can only see what you believe. You cannot see what you don't believe. And that is a very, can be very negative and can be very positive. I've, um, on Facebook, you know, I've been um, typing some things when, when we're in discussions with people. And then you can see this guy, doesn't matter what you say, I mean, we've got so many people, doesn't matter what you say, they cannot see what you say. Because they can only see what they believe. I've said that so many times. If you believe that a Toyota is a rubbish car, you know, it's like, like, like with me, I don't really like a Toyota. To me, it's not like, I mean, you can, an Audi or a, anything else, even a Mazda is a very good car, you know, but... So when I get into a Toyota, I, it, it, to me it feels not right. Even the engine's noise, it, it doesn't feel right. I see the door that's too thin. I get that blik gevoel, you know. But 
find somebody that's been driving Toyota all their life. When they get in the car, they say, reliable. They say the car that sold the most in South Africa. You know, they, all those things, because they first believe it. You can only see what you believe. So, your heart determines your life. If your heart is wicked and crooked and twisted, I tell you, you, you it, it's guaranteed, guaranteed that your life will be a mess. That's why, why the Bible says, and we can go and read that verse in Proverbs, where it says, guard your heart above all things that must be guarded. You know, in, um, in psychology it talks about, you get your cognitive mind, your subconscious mind, and then the, there's something they call the critical factor. And that is, um, your, 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 your subconscious mind has put this thing around it. And then your cognitive mind gets information. And then it wants to put it into the subconscious mind. And then the, the, the subconscious mind, there's something there that says, you can allow this or you cannot allow this. For instance, when I was in Bible school, I was taught, watch out for grace. It's a license to sin. Okay? I was taught that in Bible school. It will just let people loose and do whatever they want. So when I listened to a message and I heard grace, my belief system said to me, you cannot allow this message any further. Put on the brakes. Be careful. All of a sudden, I'm not open. All of a sudden, I'm on my guard. All of a sudden, I see, I I listen with the intent to prove what I believe, which is, it is a license to sin. Even if a person does not say anything negative, then I will say, he did not say that or that. That means, in his heart, it's like this and this and this. Because of what I believe in my heart. So, um, what is very nice about the gospel is, the gospel, the true gospel, when you speak in love, with a motive of love, and the true message of what God has done on behalf of man, it has been tailor-made for every man's heart. So when you speak the true gospel, it, is, it's, it goes past... I'm not talking about theology. I'm talking about the true gospel. You, you, you're hitting the heart of a man. It's almost it, it, inside. You'll find, you'll preach grace, and people will say, man, in my heart, I just know this is the truth. And then he'll go away and think about the consequences maybe of if he believes this or whatever. And he says, well, let me just back off a bit. But in his, it hits you in the heart. The Bible says that the Word of God is sown in a man's heart. So when you preach the true gospel of grace, it's sown in your heart. Now, as a foundation, know this. That when you hear the gospel of grace, it talks to your belief system. It makes you believe. It puts other things at rest. The word believe means to rest your mind. So, when you hear the true gospel and true belief comes, you'll find your mind going to rest at the person of God. At who He really is. How much He loves you and how much He cares for you. Amen. Right. So, the heart is the foundation. The heart is the center around which everything pivots. Um, the, the, the very place from where we, we, we live. It says in Proverbs 4 verse 19, listen to this, it says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They don't know at what they stumble. 
Now, what is, what is wickedness in the, in the Bible, interpreting the gospel of grace? Wickedness is works righteousness. That is wickedness. It is as darkness. The Bible says darkness is those that are blinded for the message of grace, but live under do's and don'ts before God. Like sowing and reaping, we've talked about tithing, doing this for God, doing that for God. And then they stumble and fall, but they don't know what they stumble over. And then Paul one day came and he realized what people were stumbling over. He said there was a way that seemed unto life, but the end was death. He says, this is the law. I thought that through works righteousness, I'm going to make it. But I found that this very thing is manifesting sin in my life. So they were believing that works righteousness brings peace before God. And then here in Proverbs it says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. They're falling, but they can't see why. Because I'm trying my best. I'm living right. I'm, I'm loving my neighbor. I'm trying to pray every day. But then I don't get it right. I don't know why. Why can't I do this all the time? I t- I, today I say I'm not going to gossip and then I gossip. I'm not going to lie, then I lie. I'm not going to hurt people, then I hurt people. I'm not going to be nasty to my wife and kids and then I find I am like that. I don't know why I'm stumbling. I'm, my intent is so pure. I'm trying everything good. But my God, I'm falling. Why? Not understanding that it's living by the law system and, and God revealed that to us. Now listen to this. He says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So what he says here, he says, My son, attend to my words. Now, what is the words of God? The word of God is the message of how God, how Jesus obeyed God to make you righteous. Okay. Attend to my word. What is the word of God? The word of God, we cannot just say, you know, the word of God is anything written in the Bible. No. The word of God is, let me put it this way, what is the word of the ANC? What is the word of the DA? What is the word of America? What is the word of Russia? What is the word of Germany? So what is the word of God? So there's a certain thing that nations say. There's a certain thing that political parties say. You know, if, if you take uh, uh, Russia, old Russia, what was, it, what was it saying? China, what's it saying? It speaks. North, if I say, what is the word of North, uh, North Korea? Communism. The word is communism. Man. So what is the word of God? <laughs> Mercy and grace. How God, how Jesus obeyed God to save you. That is the word of God. He says, attend to my sayings. Listen to my word. When it comes to the name of Jesus, I remember when I was a child, you hear the name Jesus. Jesus to me, the word Jesus meant the love of God. Because I had one little song there. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's it. That, that's what I believe. You know? But when I grew older, people taught me how this Jesus actually was. 
this Jesus had, you know, he loves you, but he needs to sort out some stuff. And, and after a while, all these things put together makes you believe that he's not really good. So he says here, attend to my word. And that's what God says to us, attend to my word. His word. I want to tell you, you know, and this is the passion of my heart, we want to preach this gospel all over the world. There is just one word. The word of how God made you righteous. How you are qualified. How nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing. God has changed the system by which you judge if you're loved or not. In the Old Testament, you judged if you're righteous or not by how it was with you in life. You know, how prosperous you were, how blessed you were, and all those things. But that everything has changed. God brought a new system. He says the old things have passed away. Everything became new. The old way passed away. In other words, in the Old Testament, people were seen as righteous and blessed. They were declared righteous when they were prosperous. Healed. Blessed when they go in, blessed when they go out, and all those things. That was the system by which blessing was measured. But if the Bible says the old things have passed away, that measurement system has also passed away. There's a new way in measuring how blessed I am. The Bible says, blessed is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all the blessings in heaven. So there's a different way of measuring my success. You know, the other day a lady phoned me, she said, um, I took my child for an IQ test. And, um, because I felt maybe there's something wrong. And the child's IQ was 67. Now, you know in school, that can be funny. But if it's your child, it's not funny. It's a problem. Because 67 means that w- when that doctor said, 67 IQ. What does that spell? It says, unsuccessful, never happy, never happily married, never blessed, never, 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 never. That's what it says. In a world system. Because you must be in some corporate job, you must drive a big BMW, you must, you must, because that's how we measure. We must be number one, we must be... We, but now, all that has changed. You know, and I, I spoke to her and, and God gave me wisdom. And I said to her, what's the number one thing you want for your child? She said, not to be happy. I said, can she be happy? <laughs> Think. Of course. Hallelujah. What's the source of all joy? She says, realizing that I'm loved of God. I said, so, does she have any shortcoming? Not at all. And you could see joy in her heart, in the mother's heart. She was crying now because she was believing, because in her belief system, underneath, in her belief system, programmed for years, there was something that said, listen man, you know, if you not have an IQ of 130, you're not going to be successful in, the, in, in this life. But over time, she's been reprogrammed by the gospel of God's love and grace. So now there's these mixed emotions, a a twisted belief system. But when the focus was just placed on what is already right, you know, you find the mother that was crying, 
10 minutes later laughing. How's that possible? In a situation like that. It's not possible for a human being out of his own willpower to laugh with true joy 15 minutes after you heard that your child had an IQ of 67. It's not possible, man. But if the, the moment you heard the truth, the Bible says the force that drives your life is your heart, what you believe. When her eyes was focused on the word of God about her, the word that I gave her was not, listen, I'm going to pray for your child now and your child now going to be healed. I did pray for the child and I do believe that the child can be healed. It's possible. But we're not going to say, listen, you are sad, let me give you great joy, and that is that the standard of this world, which is you must be very healthy before you can be happy, Jesus is going to try and fulfill that law that's in your heart, so that you can now have joy. No, no, He'll first make you happy, and then sort out your things. Hallelujah. Amen. So she first got happy, right there. (laughs) What gave her joy, right there? A change of belief. A change of belief. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Imagine I must make my, put my identity and joy in church. My goodness. You know? When I go to the internet and I see they've downloaded 13,000 messages, I'll be very happy. When I come here tonight, I'll be sad. You know? But thank God, you know, that my joy is not measured by that. Because a change of belief, it says there, guard your heart above, it says, attend your your ears to what I say. Okay? I'm going to explain that more. Then it says, because these things will go into your heart. And then in your heart there will be a belief system. Then the Hebrew says, and then you guard this heart above all things. Because out of this heart comes forth a force that drives your life. You know, I saw this, 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 this clip. They've got a motorbike. It's called the Y2K motorbike. They take a Bell Ranger helicopter engine and then they put it into a motorbike. It's the fastest production bike in the world. It can do 402 kilometers per hour. Zero to 100. For those who are watching the internet, zero to 60. Uh, 1.5 seconds. So, this guy says, it feels like God taking you by the belt here (laughs) and pushing you forward. Now that is, when I see that God your heart, from out of your heart, comes the force that drives your life. There's a force that grabs you and pushes you into a certain direction. And that force is you cannot, let me tell you something, you cannot go against that force. It's not humanly possible. You cannot go. It is something that will compel you. If you believe, that there's certain things, if, if you believe, if you say you're a lady and you believe that there's people that just want to rape me, there will be a force of fear that you cannot stop. It's impossible. You'll have to change your belief. Your willpower is not powerful enough to stop that force. Forget it. If you fear about money all the time, <laughs> don't try and stop to fear. Change what you believe. 
need to change what you believe. You need to believe the truth. Because the force that... So what, what we do is, and just later on that verse, it says, ponder on the path of your feet. It is, listen, look at what, where I'm walking. And then you think of where you are walking. Is this walk that I walk, what, it's, what is it born of? The message of grace or the message of condemnation and me trying to work up to a certain standard? Or is it born of the revelation of who I really am? I mean, I, I want to be driven. You know the force that drives your life in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Greek? If you must take it in the Greek, it is the word influence. Influence. It says there, and the word influence is the, is the English word grace. According to the Bible. So, it says that guard your heart from above all things, because what will influence the way you live in this world, what will influence your emotions, the way you understand things, the way you perceive how people talk to you and what they say, will, be, will, will come from what you believe. Now it says, l- listen to this. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. So what it says, attend, make an effort to listen to what I say. And then incline your ear to my sayings. How do you incline yourself to something? You know? It's like Vessel. Um, Vessel has now resigned. Next Sunday we will just pray for them and everything. And be, because well, the, he's, he's ending on Friday, next Sunday will be the last. So, um, Vessel is now going to the Northern Cape and he's going to work there, work with farmers. Now, he's, I mean, he's doing his job very good. But his ear is being inclined now to farming. So when he listens to radio, if they speak about uh, children and or this or that or crime or whatever, he's not going to hear that. But the moment they say Sasko, or the moment they say Biakabia, or they say something like that, he will hear it. Because he's inclining his ear to that. And I want to say this, and those who watch over the internet, let's incline our ear to the Word of God, to the message of His grace and love. Whenever you hear grace, you listen. When you don't hear grace, you don't listen. My goodness. You know, it is like, uh, uh, you know this Harry Potter and all those type of things that people say it's bad and whatever. And I don't say go and play with witchcraft and all of that. But my, listen, it is much worse to incline yourself to works righteousness than any of these other things, man. Let's incline ourselves to the obedience Jesus had to make us like God. And incline our ear. Now, in other words, if you've inclined your ear to what Jesus has done for us, then you read the Bible. Like... um, uh, 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 I, I shared with Vessel, maybe we'll get a bit more into that tonight. I, I shared with Vessel just before we came here. Yes, Genesis, in Genesis, I think Genesis 6, God comes and He says, well, I am going to, I, I'm not pleased that I've made man. He regretted that He made man. Now, my ear is inclined to grace. <laughs> so I want to see the cross and what Christ has done in Genesis 6. 
So now I read. I put it in the Hebrew. I read. I say, oh, and then he was not pleased with man. That he made man and judged the whole earth. Man and the whole earth. And then it's those, in brackets, Alpha Omega. Hallelujah. You see, I'm not inclined to anything else. I cannot hear anything else. I cannot hear the condemnation. When, because my belief system has been programmed over years by God's Word and His Spirit, by me just being willing, saying, I want to hear this, into, if it is bad news, it cannot be God. If it's condemnation, it cannot be God. If it's judgment, it cannot be God. It's impossible. I became one-track minded. The Bible says we put on the helmet of salvation. The word helmet is a circle with a center point. In other words, it means reason in a circle around one point. Jesus Christ. That is the helmet of salvation. That's how you will have your mind into the salvation of God. So we've got this our mind around one point. And that is the gospel of His grace. We cannot have our mind around anything else. So my Bhakti, we should not be single-minded. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says don't be double-minded. He's a double-minded man. is unstable in all his ways. Not some of his ways. In everything he does. He's not stable. Be single-minded. One mind to see Christ. In everything. And the obedience of God. And as you start to say, I incline my ear only to that. So if you see something that doesn't look like good news, you don't give any attention to it. You read a scripture in the Bible, it sounds as if it says everything contrary to the message of God's love and His grace. Skip it. It does not say, in, uh, 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 incline your ear unto every verse in the Bible. It says, incline your ear unto my word, which is the message of no condemnation, of righteousness free from your works. We incline our ear to that. And let me tell you something, the more you hear, and the more your, your heart gets persuaded, you find that in every verse you start to see the gospel of grace. But while you don't see it there, don't give any attention to it. Let me give you a good example. In the beginning, I did not understand what I was explaining about sowing and, and reaping. Um, like my brother said about verse 10, He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Talking actually about what, God is, what people will say about the church. That's a true context of 2 Corinthians 9. I could never see that. But when I read it, I just believed, my belief that God is good and that He cares for me as a father cares for his child and He loves me and, doesn't, and His love is unconditional, made me skip that verse. So, well, I, I just said, I don't understand this verse. But I cannot believe something, I cannot incline my ear to anything outside of the truth that has been manifested on the cross. Listen, you can argue about 2 Corinthians 9. But you don't argue about something that didn't need even words. It was, God became a man. Obeyed, died, was resurrected, seated as a man at the right hand of God and representing the whole human race. If 
every doctrine you preach must be inside that. If it's not inside that, my friend, I don't care how big the church is, I don't care how many miracles you do, I don't care how big your company is, you are just a big church, big company, liar. Finished. Having the attention of millions, leading millions astray, doesn't make you true. Amen. It, it, to me, I don't incl- inc- my, my ear is not inclined to what works. No, but I've done this and it works. I don't incline my ear to what works. I incline my ear to one thing and that is what God has done on my behalf. That's it. But Bertie, then you're not open for correction. I, don't, I am not open to be corrected away from the gospel of grace. I am not open. If you want to write me a letter, I'm not open. I'm not open. I'm not changing. If you want to correct me and say to me, Bertie, I think that you are uh, uh, in a law foundation in a certain area of your life, I can say, okay, you know, I'm willing to learn about what is done for me. But you cannot steer me away from this. And that's not hard-headed. That's what's called persuaded. Hard-headed is when you know you're wrong and you continue with your nonsense. Persuaded is something completely different. I want to testify. You know, I, I rented an a, a office, office building, and um, so we, basically the net was working there, we had all our computers there and everything, doing our editing and whatever. So now, the woman that I rent this from, I mean, he's, he's a good guy. But he also suffered a bit, you know, suffering a bit financially. So he, um, I had a two-year contract with him. But now, I've already rented a year, then I signed another two-year contract. Now, it's almost ending of the first year. So now I'm asking him if I can get out of the contract. But what I offer him is, we, we had a deal. And the deal was, if I rent for one year, I say pay 2,000 rand a month. If I rent for two years, then I pay 1,800 rand a month. So I, I went to him and said, can I pay you the same amount as what I would have paid for the first year? You know, like, like I could have, you know, and then get out of this. He says, no. Now I know that they're going to go out there. Um, I'm not going to drive to the office there and work there alone. No ways. In my mind, I've got another vision. And the vision is I want to rent the house next door. Because, we're not going, because that place is too small for four or five people to work there. So we need a, a, a bigger place. That's closer to my home. Easier for, for me to be there. So, um, now what am I going to do? Shout at the wummy? My wummy? No, no. You know, so, um, I went home, I said, now I could see that this guy pushes the contract and what we've signed for his part. And then I prayed about God said, you know, the worm is right. If you want to get out of this, you, you cannot just get out of it. You, you'll be wrong according to the law of this country. But what I was doing in my mind, as I was driving, I said, I cannot curse this worm. You know, and say to him, and, and, and say, ah oh, man, he's just bad, he's just stupid, he's just... Rather bless him. Because it's much better to work with a blessing than to somebody that's not a blessing. 
I mean, a bless- somebody's a blessing, it's a blessing. You know? So I just said, thank you Lord, what should I do? He says, no, tell him, you will pay the whole year. But there's certain things that he must fix on this, on this. And I will show you what I will do. For the Lord told me. So I rested my mind in that. I says, okay, I went, I said, I'm not going to push him on any point. All I ask is, fix the door that, that needs to be fixed. And, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I will pay for, I, I need to make it a storeroom now. A 2,000 rand storeroom. That's this big. My goodness. Okay. So, so now, and I, I, I know I can't do it, but well, that's it. I know there will be provision for that, whatever. God gave the woman idea, a business idea for that place. He phones me. He says, you need to be out in two days. Yeah. <laughs> said, hallelujah, bless God. Yeah. Amen. The, that first agreement, you know, the bit more, pay him that, I'm out, I've moved in, into another place. Isn't that awesome? You know, so, it, but what happened was, what I believe about, the, about him is, the same price that was paid for him was paid for me. I believe that God works in the hearts of people. I believe I've got favor with God and with man. It's like like in the end I said, he says, she got this thing in her mind, it's like God telling Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, it's like, you've got a legal contract that they are your slaves. But I tell you as God, let them go. And I want to tell you, that's what happened. God makes these things. But if you rest your mind from who you are, a force will drive your life. Now, he was angry with me, upset at a time, you know. But now, after he said to me, I must be out and everything, I phoned him again, said I'm paying over the money this afternoon. You know, he was so friendly. He says, Barry, I want to just tell you, may God bless you in everything you do. If I see him in the street, there will be no hard feelings whatsoever. Because we function from the belief of who I am. The truth is that God provides everything I need. So why will I fight with Him? I'm not going to fight with Him. Your heart gets persuaded. Now, that, let me tell you, that doesn't happen just in one day. You incline your ear and you keep your ear inclined. This is what it says here. It says, keep your, uh, um, keep your heart. It says, okay, for these words that, that I speak, uh, keep them in the midst of your heart. What is the midst of your heart? The midst of your heart, in the Hebrew they, they, they says, in the heart of your heart. So in the very center of your belief system must be this word of God. Everything you see about God. Everything revolves around that word. Everything. Amen. For they are life to those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Do you know that the flesh of man needs to be healed? Our flesh just manifests sin. And that's where healing needs to take place. Here we look at man manifesting sin. Manifesting sin. Why? Because they live in the flesh. Our flesh is corrupted. But we find that we don't live in sin anymore. When? When we find the Word of God. Amen. And the Word of God heals all our flesh. Then it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the issues or the forces, or out of it issues life. Then it says, put away from you a forward mouth, or perverse lips. That forward means crooked or twisted. A twisted mouth. What is a twisted mouth? It is a mouth, but twisted. So, it doesn't say, 
I always say that I must now speak everything right. No, no. The fraud mouth can come onto you, can be in your face, speaking to me. I put that away from me. So I incline my ear to grace, and every mouth that does not speak this message, I put that message, not the person, that message, away from me. It's not applicable to my life. We love the person, but what he says, I'm sorry, I, I can't believe that. He says, let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before thee. Now, what does it mean, let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before you? It means eyebrow there. So what does that mean? I mean, your eyes look this way and your eyelids must be this way. So it means, don't look there and there. That's all it means. You don't look at grace and the law. You look at only one thing. Straight ahead. Not mixed. Amen. That's, that's what it says. It says, ponder on the path of your feet and see that all your ways will be established. So what it clearly states here is that we need to know that the, the heart, the belief system of man is formed by information that we give it. And the information we give is the message of what God has done on the cross. Okay? It says, with the heart we believe unto righteousness. For the heart we believe Unto righteousness, it says, and, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want to read, just read uh, uh, Genesis 6 verse 5. It says, and God saw, this is now the Old Testament, and God saw, that the, saw the wickedness of man, and that it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Every imagination of the thought of the heart of man was evil. Now, what is that with imagination? The frame or the foundation of the thought or the plot, the intent of the heart was evil, continually. So, here was man. God looked at man and he saw that his heart was twisted and that the frame within, wherein man thinks, is evil. What was this evil framework wherein man was thinking? They were thinking in their hearts, in their belief, that if I partake of the knowledge of good and evil, I will be like God. Then the Bible says, then God saw this. It doesn't mean that God never knew this. He knew that it was in man all the time. But now he saw what was in man manifesting in their life. He was seeing the fruit of their wicked heart manifesting now. Okay, he says he saw that. And then he, and then he says, um, the, the next verse, I didn't put it in here. The next verse says, and then he regretted that he made man, Alpha Omega. Talks about the fullness of sin and the, and the wickedness of a man's heart coming into one man, Jesus Christ, hanging upon the cross. And then he destroyed that man, and saved the righteous. Amen. Now, now we think that Moses was, uh, Noah was righteous. No, no. He was not. The Bible says he found grace in the sight of God. So he was also wicked. But he found grace in the sight of God. How did he find grace in the sight of God? He says, by my grace I'll save you and remove all sin. In what? In one man, Christ. 
Hallelujah! You see how we see Jesus in everything. Now listen to what it says in, in, in Genesis 20 verse 6. And God said unto him in a dream, um, Yea, I know that you did... Now this is Abraham... Now look at the heart of man here. Abraham says to his wife, Please be kind to me and tell everybody you are my sister. She was actually to a certain degree the sister. They didn't have the same mother but the same uh, uh, father. Okay? So she was a half-sister. He was married to her. Okay? You can go and read that. Because when the king cornered Abraham, he said, Well, I, I talked half a truth. I um, tried to get out of it, you know. Um, and and uh, uh, God came to the king in a dream, and he, said, uh, and he said to the king, Listen, you are but a dead man. And nothing that you will touch will ever prosper. Because of this, this woman. You're marrying another man. You're going to sleep with another man's wife. And then he said to God, but God, will you kill righteous people? That's what he said. For I didn't know this. Listen to this. He says, and God said unto him in a dream, yes, I know that you didn't, uh, that you, you did this in, 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 in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now listen to this. That word integrity is the word innocence. So he says, I know that you lived in this area in the innocence of your heart. So in your heart you believed you were innocent. You didn't find yourself guilty. You found yourself innocent. And you lived from the foundation of innocence. He says, therefore, I withheld that you could touch her. He couldn't sin. Because, he believed he, because his belief was of innocence. And let's bring that into the New Testament. When our heart believe in innocence, how we've been made innocent by the blood of Jesus, and how we are not guilty before God because of the blood of Jesus, we find God keeping us away from sin and not us ourselves. Romans 6 or 16 says it clearly. Let's read it. Romans 6. Oh, hallelujah. It says, Shall we sin now that we are not, uh, not under the law? What is under the law? Condemnation and judgment and guilt. Now we're not under the law, we're under innocence. He says, Shall we sin? He says, God forbid. That word forbid is the Greek word cease to exist. God will see, cause the sin to cease to exist in your life. I mean, here's a guy that has married a lady. He's going to sleep with, us, with Abraham's wife. I mean, there's nothing against that. I mean, he can do it with all the passion in his heart. But it was not even possible for him. It's what God said, I caused you not to touch her. For he lived from the foundation of innocence. I want to declare all of you innocent before God, man. You are innocent before the condemnation of the law. You can believe in, how, in your innocence that you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And you'll find God will cause this sin. It will, God will change your life. Why? Because of the innocence of heart. Now, innocence of heart, I know the context in which this is, it was, well, I didn't know. But look into the New Testament. I'm innocent 
I believe in my innocence and God's power keeps me away. A, I, I don't have time to go into the Alpha Omega sign in those verses. Which is just amazing. Hallelujah. He would have polluted her. Because there was a promise that she will bring forth a child. Isn't it? Which will be the child of promise. Do you know, it says, and I caused you. I caused you not to touch her. That her is Alpha Omega. What it means was, God caused that there was no pollution in Christ so that we can be born of Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Amen, man. That's what God has brought for us. And what we do is, we get our hearts persuaded into the innocence of, uh, into our innocence. Listen to this. How we can speak to our heart. Genesis 24 verse 42. What's the time? My goodness. Okay. And it came, listen, and it came this day unto the, you, you remember with, uh, I think it was Rebecca, Abraham sent his son, uh, sent his uh, eldest uh, servant to go and find a, a, a wife, you know, and whatever. So here comes he and he was waiting at the well. And this is what he says. And it came to pass this day, unto, and it came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do, proper my, uh, do prosper my way, which I go, behold, I stand by the well of the waters, and it shall come to pass, that when the virgin comes forth, and draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water um, out of thy bucket to drink, and she say to me, Both drink you, and I will draw for your camels, let the same be the woman whom the Lord has appointed out for my master's son. And before he had done speaking in his heart, behold, Rebecca came forth. So here was this guy who was speaking in his heart. What was he saying in his heart? He was placing, he was putting some, some arrangement in his heart by which he will know it's God. Now this was just a sign, you know, which we don't even do today anymore. You know, but just l- look at the, the principle and what he uses here. He was speaking in his heart. The word speak there in the Hebrew means he was, uh, he says to arrange something with words. So he was busy arranging his belief system by words. He said, well, if this happened, then I know. So he was believing something. What was he believing? He was believing that if a certain thing happens, then I know it's the will of God. So he arranged his own belief. By what? By words that he spoke inside his head. That is called meditation. To speak in your head. You speak in your head with yourself. That is how you arrange your heart. How do we arrange your heart? To speak in your head with yourself. What are you speaking? I don't want to bring... And this is not a condemnation thing. This is... Just think for yourself. You know, sometimes... I, I'll, I'll get upset, upset with somebody. Then my wife... Now, some people meditate easier than others. I can really... I, I'm a, I go very deep into meditation. I can, I can walk here and be very deep in meditation. Not even knowing what I'm doing. 
It's like people will give things to me and I will take it and give it to this one, but I'll be in another place. My wife will say, to who are you speaking? I'm in such a deep meditation, I'm thinking, pondering so much about something, that it becomes so real to me that I'll speak physically. That's called talking with yourself. (laughs) But that's meditation. That's what it is. That is arranging my heart. I'm arranging my belief by doing that. And all of us, we do that. We think it's so difficult. No, no, it is just to be in deep thought. That's all. So, this guy arranged his heart. Now listen, before he was even finished arranging his heart, things started to happen according to his own belief. Here comes Rebecca with the water. So I want to tell you, the moment you arrange your heart in the boundaries of grace, you'll find, you'll start to see everything from before you even finished. You'll start to see grace here, grace here, the love of God here, unconditional love there, God's mercy here. Before you've finished even with speaking that, you will find I'm not judged. I don't feel bad if I have money or don't have money. I'm not judged if I'm healed or not. I feel the peace of God. Even before you've finished, you'll feel it. Amen. Now think of that. All of a sudden everything, because you rearranged your heart by doing what? By speaking words. Now I'm not talking about the old faith movement. You know, where you, you must now just speak right and it will happen. It's not that. It is where you take the truth of the gospel and you just start to think of honor. How much God loves people. When I come to church, you know, sometimes I can be speaking to my wife words in the car, about this and about that. But in my mind, I'm seeing myself preaching here. Before this, I was in the studio. You know, this is how I prepare. I take this verse and I say, Oh my goodness! And then I'm there in the studio and I'll preach it up and down there to myself. Just preach it. And what I even preach there is not even what I preach here. But all that, the only thing that's happening there is I'm just persuading. My heart gets persuaded by this word. You don't have to even go and put time aside. You don't have to. We've always think, I must go and put time aside. No, no. Just when you think about God, you know, count it as valuable when you see that, that meditation about the goodness and the mercy of God. You know? Think about that. Like my, sometimes I'm in an argument with myself and I even lose the argument. We, we, we meditate, think upon, ponder upon this, this goodness of God. And before he was done arranging his, arranging his, his heart with words, he saw. The force that drives your life finds its foundation in your belief. The power of that force is directly influenced by the power of the truth, which means if I believe I'm a bird, I can act like a bird, I can jump here like a bird, I can eat from the ground like a bird. But when it comes to flying, I'm going to struggle. <laughs> because I'm not a bird. The wonderful thing about God's gospel truth is He came and made you righteous. He brought righteousness by the blood of Jesus. 
And when your heart is arranged by speaking the truth about yourself, that belief, the force that drives you there, is the truth of God. It is with what we call the power of the Holy Spirit, which gives you a new life. That's why Paul says, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. Amen. I end off with this. The Bible says, when you look into the perfect law of liberty, you look in a mirror. The Bible says, when you look into the glory of God, you look into a mirror. You look into a mirror. You know what helped me in, in, in ministry? When there was times when it looked as if I'm going to lose this whole ministry. You know, because of money and, 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 and all of that. I, was, I just went and I sat down and I... Because what was grabbed, there were so many things grabbing, grabbing a hold of your heart. You know, Bertie, you've been preaching the tithe. You shouldn't tithe to, 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 to be blessed. You shouldn't sow and reap to be blessed. Now the, the people who's preaching tithing have still got money, but you that preach grace, you're poor. Now you're going to go down and then they're going to say of you, oh yeah, he's cursed of God, like we said. Now, what do you do with that in, 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 your, in your face? You go and sit down and think of the truth by which I'm defined. All of a sudden, verses, there's all of a sudden verses that come up that you've never thought of. Verses like, if they don't accept your word, dust off the dust off your feet. That means you could be sent to a whole city and nobody listens and you go away. Does that mean if nobody listens you weren't sent by God? And all of a sudden you find encouragement coming to your heart and you stand up and it's going better and you're blessed and we're reaching the world with the gospel. Amen. I want, I want to tell you, your heart in your life, the, the, the thing around which everything pivots is so important. We cannot play games with that. Really, man. God gave His Son. And I end off with this. God gave His Son so that you can have a pure heart. I'm not saying pure motives. I'm saying a belief system that's actually true about you. A heart that's not pure is a heart that's contaminated with beliefs about who you are that doesn't line up with the resurrected Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have really removed all condemnation. And from the heart of innocence, you are ceasing sin to exist in our lives. And we live a good life. Thank you, Lord, that in this life, that which we want to do, we can do. Because under the law, that which we wanted to do, we could not do. And that which we didn't want to do, we did. But now we're under grace. That that which we wanted to do all the time, we can do it. Because it's God living in us. Thank you, my God. We always wanted to just see the gospel being preached everywhere. We can do it because it's empowered by you. Our belief has changed. It Thank you, my God, that you thought it worthy to do something to change our belief. 
If he didn't do it, our belief couldn't have changed. It would have just been presumption. But now there's something true that we can believe. We've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your love, my God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.